Good morning. Welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church at our 11 a.m. worship service. Yes, with the time change, it is now officially 11 a.m. Welcome to all of you who are gathered here in our sanctuary, as well as those who are tuning in through our live stream and on WRR. It is a joy and a privilege to be in worship with all of you. If you are new and visiting among us, I want to extend a special warm of welcome to you and hope that you will join us for fellowship after worship. Please stop by our atrium and at the counter there are members and staff who are eager to greet you and have a special gift waiting for you. For everybody here, if you haven't already, there are friendship registry pads at the end of your pews. Please note your attendance as well as the names of those who are sitting around you so we can continue to grow as a family of faith. Before you in your pews, you'll also find a card and on one side it is a connect card. If you are at a point in your life where you want to dig deeper in your faith and connect further in this uh, faith family, let us know. Let us know how you want to worship and serve and care for one another. On the other side, it's a prayer card. It is a privilege to pray with you each and every single week. Your prayers of joys and concerns are shared and prayed um, amongst your pastors every week. So please use that and you can share that in the um, offering place as those come through during that time of the worship service. Friends, today is the first Sunday of Lent. This is a season in our church between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday that we seek to journey more closely with God through Jesus Christ, especially as he makes his way to the cross. For me, something I'm hoping to do throughout the Lenten season is to be more authentic in my faith. And so it is fitting that today is also Epiphany Ministry Sunday. If you want to meet authentic people, get to know the members and friends of our Epiphany Ministry. They are so free and how they love and how they express their joy and their faith. And so today you'll notice throughout our liturgy and our worship service that they have been a part of creating this Sunday service. And so we're so thankful for this ministry and for the people who make it possible. You're also invited to join them for lunch at our second Sunday lunch after worship service today um, for a time of fellowship and for sharing at table together. And we also have a special presentation by Dr. Eric Wall, who is an assistant professor of sacred music and dean of the chapel at Austin Seminary, who will be here to give a talk on music and theological imagination. So I know this church loves music. So please come and stay and fellowship with us at second Sunday lunch. <coughs> Family of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship, holy God.
Please join with me in our call to worship. We give thanks to God who is our source of comfort and peace.
In humility and faith, let us confess our sin before God and one another. God, we have sinned and failed to follow your rules. Forgive us and help us to get rid of our bad habits. Help us to see the very days ahead of us. Show us how to listen to the Lord of the Lord. And let us find hope and joy in the commandments. Lead us and give us the strength and the courage to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. As God's forgiven and reconciled people, let us turn to one another and share the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ be with you. Please share the peace of Christ with your neighbor. God of wisdom, open our ears to hear your word. Silence within us any voices but your own. May we find ourselves in your story and in doing so begin a closer walk with you. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. This is one of my favorite Sundays in our church year. Epiphany Ministry Sunday, it's such a privilege to be led by our Epiphany Ministry participants and our friends. In fact, I was just thinking about it. It was uh, five years ago on Epiphany Ministry Sunday, I was uh, visiting here from Atlanta, discerning my call on whether or not God was calling me to Preston Hollow. It was, an, it was Epiphany Ministry Sunday, and I felt God's call through the voices and the lives of our friends who are leading us in worship this day, and I will be forever grateful for their prophetic witness for not only me, but for my entire family. We love you, and we are so grateful for you. My dear friends, uh, today is the first Sunday of Lent. We're going to kick off our new sermon series entitled The Seven Essential Questions. It's entitled The uh, Seven Essential Questions because Jesus is asked a lot of questions in the Gospels. 
but he's not in the business of providing too many answers. In fact, uh, do you know that there are only eight times in all the Gospels in which Jesus answers a question that he has asked? Uh, more likely, Jesus is asked, or more likely, Jesus asked a question in response to a question that he has asked. So we're going to uh, turn today uh, to the first question, and i got to tell you, um, I thought this would be sort of an easy question for us to enter the Lenten season with, but the more that I've wrestled and prayed and studied, this is a hard question uh, for, it seems to me, depending on how we answer the question that Jesus asked today, depends on how we will answer all the rest. Dare I say how we will live our very lives. So we're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke this morning, to the ninth chapter. And we're going to read uh, verses 18 through 25. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Listen, because this word may just change your life. Once when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, Jesus asked them, uh, uh, who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, the Messiah of God. Jesus sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Jesus said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake, will save it. What does it profit them? What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O oh God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary this morning, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So we ask, we pray, that you would create afresh and anew this very day, that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they would be your word to us here and now. We pray that you would bring light out of our darkness, hope out of our despair, that you would lead us by your word. And we pray, O oh God, that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're going to uh, begin this sermon a little differently this morning. It's, uh, it's the first Sunday in spring break, so I think we can get away with it. But there are cards in the pew rack right in front of you. They look just like this. 
They should be uh, right in front of the Bible. I want you to grab one of these cards. Make sure that you have a writing instrument. There are pencils in your pews. Uh, there are also pens. If you, if you run out of cards, turn to the pew behind you. Make sure you get this card. And I want us to imagine, okay, that Jesus uh, has come in the flesh this morning. He's uh, come in the north transept doors, and he's made his way right here to the chancel. Better yet, I want us to imagine that uh, Jesus is sitting in the pew right next to you in the flesh this morning. And Jesus uh, turns to you and says, uh, Will, Nancy, Sally, Sarah, Bob, Bill, I got a, uh, just a quick question for you. I won't stay in your pew too long. Can you, can you answer this question for me? Who do you say that I am? I'm going to give you 15 seconds to respond to Jesus. Anybody want more time than 15 seconds? You're talking to the Savior of the world. We have one person. All right, 15 seconds. What would you respond to Jesus? Write it on that card. Go for it. Go. And for those of you listening on the radio, write it down on your napkin. You have five seconds. It's okay to look at your neighbors. You can steal theirs. <laughs> All right, time. Thank you for indulging me. Uh, 15 seconds is not a long time, is it? It's uh, certainly not much time to think or write, but that was the point of this exercise. What are the first things that come to mind when we answer the question, who do you say that I am? I wonder how many of us uh, this morning wrote down uh, answers like this. Lord, Messiah, Emmanuel, Savior, Liberator, Christ, Redeemer, Love. I got to tell you, um, I began this sermon this week by doing that very exercise. And some of the answers that surfaced for me were, were the following. Uh, Jesus, you are a man for others. Jesus, you're uh, every person that I seek to care for. Jesus, uh, you're my friend. You are my heavenly parent. Though I got to tell you, the more I spent time with my own answers this week, the more that I reflected on how I would respond to Christ with this question, I came to realize that I actually didn't answer the question that was asked. The more I sat and I looked at my responses, the more I realized that I answered the wrong question. I had in fact answered the question that Jesus first asked the disciples, who do others say that I am. The more I looked at this card, the more I realized that these answers were given to me by theologians and uh, by my pastor growing up, even by friends and professors. For instance, uh, it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said that Jesus was a man for others. It was Mother Teresa who said, Jesus is every patient that I care for. 
It was my pastor at my home church growing up who taught me in a children's sermon one time that Jesus was my friend. It was my grandfather, my papa, who prayed every Sunday lunch. He began the prayer this way. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be gathered here as a family today. It was my papa who taught me that Jesus was my heavenly parent. I wonder if you picked up your card and you looked at your responses, if you just glanced down at them for a moment, I wonder if you'll have the same reaction. You'll be able to trace back who taught you that Jesus was Lord or who taught you that Jesus was your Redeemer? Or who taught you that Jesus was love? I want to be clear, uh, we can be thankful about those who have taught us and raised us in the faith. But the second question remains. Who do I, who do you, who do we say that Jesus is? It seems to me, uh, after studying the text, that we're in good company. Uh, we're in good company because we're just like the crowd. Jesus has uh, been teaching and preaching and healing for years now. And the crowds are beginning to wonder, who is this person? So they say, oh, he's John the Baptist or Elijah. They're giving the best answers they can based on what they have been taught to look for. You see, uh, good Jewish folks would have known that the Messiah, the Messiah was going to come from a religious pedigree. The Messiah was going to come from, uh, from wealth and power. The Messiah was uh, going to come and reign just like King David and bring back all the wealth that they had lost when the temple had been destructed. The Messiah was not going to come from Nazareth. Messiah certainly was not going to come from a carpenter. The crowd is answering this question based on everything that they have been taught and handed down. Because they have yet to see that God was more than what they had been taught. And so then Jesus asked the disciples... That's who they say that I am. I have a quick question for you. Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked the deeper, the better, the harder question. Peter says, Lord, you're the, you're the Messiah of God. Boom. One breath, one take, direct, immediate. It took Peter less than 15 seconds to say it. Peter didn't provide an answer that he heard or had been taught, but rather, Peter replied based on who he experienced Jesus to be. And Peter's the star student for just a moment, just for a second. But I'm not even sure that Peter fully comprehends what he's just said. The biblical uh, scholar Martin Copenhaver says, you know, it took a lot of courage for Peter to respond in this way. Because uh, if it's true, if Jesus is the Messiah, it's enough to turn the world upside down. If it's not true, then Peter can be stoned to death 
as a blasphemer. But Peter says it anyway. You're the Messiah of God. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus responds to Peter by giving the only blessing to an individual. By giving the only blessing to an individual that Jesus gives to anyone throughout all the Gospels. I got to tell you, I would prefer this question to come to us in the form of true or false, would you not? Jesus says, Matthew, am I the Messiah? True. Seems to me if I were Jesus, I would make this a a question that would uh, be required for disciples to answer before following me. But it seems to Jesus that this is not a question that's a prerequisite to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus uh, asked this of his disciples only after they've been following him for years. It's the kind of question that uh, the disciples could only answer after they had spent their life following him, trusting him, learning from him, experiencing his mercy and his love and his grace. They could only answer for themselves after they had been changed and transformed. Which begs the question, does it not, my dear friend? How do we answer Jesus' question based on our experience of Christ in our lives, in our world? Who do you say that Jesus is after you've studied the Bible for 30 years? Who do you say that Jesus is after you have prayed by the bedside of one of your loved ones? Who do you say that Jesus is now that you've grown older and you've seen the way that relationships can grow? Who do you see, uh, who do you say that Jesus is after you've experienced great pain in your life? Who do you say that Jesus is after your marriage fell apart? Who do you say that Jesus is after uh, you've served the poor? Who do you say Jesus is after you've had children or you bear the unspeakable pain? Having lost a child, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is uh, after you've worked your whole life and you're beginning to enter retirement? I gotta tell you, I've been thinking a lot about that question. I've been thinking, what would I do if Jesus showed up right here in the pulpit this morning? Jesus said, You know, Matthew, you, uh, you preach a lot of sermons. One quick question for you. Matthew, who do you say that I am? I want to be abundantly clear this morning. If Jesus came in the flesh and entered the pulpit this morning, I would stop preaching. (laughs) I'd stop preaching and I'd let Jesus take over. Because I'm not sure that if Jesus came in the flesh right here, that I would be able to speak. But if 
he did, and he asked me that question, this is what I would want to say. And I got to tell you, my friends, it's not going to fit on the card. But I would say, Lord, you are Emmanuel, you are God in the flesh, and I've learned that. Because I, I've learned that you love things by becoming them. I've learned that nothing is off limits from you. You don't exclude anyone or anything. And so you took on flesh, God, to show us and awaken us to the depth of your love and your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness that is around us all the time and deep within us. Jesus, you are the Messiah. You walk alongside of us in our darkest moments when we think that light is not even possible. You come in our darkness to bring forgiveness when we can't fathom it. And to bring peace when all we can see are enemies. You come to bring life when all we know is death. And Jesus came to give voice to the voiceless, you came, you became what the world discards so that we would know that no one is disposable, that no one is written off, for we are all made in your image. You came, Jesus, so that we can recognize you in the other, in the stranger, and our friend. And I hate it when you do this, Jesus, but even our enemy. And I know this, Lord. I know it because I've seen you. You don't look like you do right now. But I've seen you my whole life long. And I've felt you because I've felt the forgiveness and the grace that only you can give. I know this in my bones, Lord, because I've heard your voice here through this congregation. And I've heard your voice in the stranger and even through my children. So that's how I would answer you today. I got to tell you, that's how I would answer Jesus today. But I may answer him a little differently next week. And this is why. For my dear friends, we believe in a God who is alive and at work in our world and in our lives. And if we believe that that is true, that means that we come to know in the fullness of time the depth and the breadth of God's love and mercy for us. So I pray that I would only continue to know that more fully. I want to invite you, uh, this is the first Sunday of, of Lent, I want to invite you uh, to take your card with you uh, and, and put it at a place where you can see it. Right by the coffee maker in our house is a good spot. I want you to put your card right there where you can see it. And I want to invite you to revisit this question for the next six weeks. 
I want you to uh, spend some time answering the question, who do you say that I am? Not who have you heard me to be, who do they say that I am, but who do you say that I am? And I want you to be open that if your answers don't align with everything you've been taught, to lean more fully into that. But I gotta warn you, I have to warn you that if you take me up on this, in answering this question, you are opening yourself up to the life-changing power of God Almighty. For in answering this question, we should be ready to answer Christ with our whole lives, with everything we have, our decisions, and our intellect, and our time, and our money, and our work, and our family, our humility, and even our kindness. For if, if Jesus, if Jesus is all that we say he is, then he is worthy of it all. Awaken within us, O oh God, all the moments that you have revealed your love and mercy and forgiveness to us. Awaken and even illumine our memories, O oh God, the moments where we have felt your comforting peace, your holy call, your presence hovering. Illuminate all, O oh God, so that we might see you more clearly, even this day. For we pray in your holy name. Amen. Hello. Let us affirm our faith using the information printed in your bulletin. We are children of God. We believe in God and in his son, Jesus the Christ, who came to save us all to love everyone, forgive our sins, heal our hurts, and help us to make good choices. God cares about us in good times and difficult times, and will always be with us no matter what. God respects us and wants us to respect others by listening praying and loving them as God loves us.
Amen. Please be seated. As we prepare to go to God in prayer, I want to remind you that there are prayers of joys listed in the back of our bulletin to remember throughout this week. And I also want to invite you to join me in visiting our care letters, which are located just outside of our north transept doors under the windows. Let your signature be a sign of comfort and a prayer to someone who is in need. Family of God, let us pray. Merciful God, in prayer we come to you, seeking answers to the needs we see all around us. And out of love for us, you open your heart and patiently invite us to pour out our concerns unto you. We pray for this world, for all the creatures who call this place home. Help us to live with gratitude for the majesty of your kingdom, to care for our water and sky and land, so all your children may enjoy the works of your hand. Restore those places ruined by tornadoes, fire, conflict, and war. For as sure as the night turns to day, all that is broken can be made whole through you. And we pray for the church, for believers everywhere to hold steadfast in their faith. Bind us together as one body, reflecting and enacting the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, who calls us to love and not fear, to give rather than to take, to remain humble and not to be exalted, and to draw closer to those who are hurting, sick, outcast, and poor, rather than away. Loving God, we pray for ourselves. Comfort us in our grief. Grant us the assurance of your presence during the trials of our lives. Strengthen us when we feel too weak, too lost, and too afraid to continue along the journey of this life. For in these 40 days, many of us find ourselves in the wilderness. Trusting in your everlasting mercy, guide us, O God, to the abundant life you desire for us, life in community, life overflowing with joy, life enfolded in your love and your compassion. We praise you, O God, for your abiding spirit who draws us gently back to you. And with the confidence of your children, with one voice, let us pray as your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be Deliver us from evil. For thine. 
Friends, as we turn our attention to our morning offering, I remind you that our monthly Every Dollar Counts offering is designated this month to the Austin Street Center. The Austin Street Center is a ministry of consequence and impact in our community. For over 30 years, this organization has ministered to the most vulnerable men and women in our community who are experiencing homelessness. They provide safe shelter, they provide meals, and they provide supportive services that help the, the, to improve the trajectory of these folks to help them become more self-sufficient. For only $545, one person can receive safe shelter, meals, and these supportive services for one night. Friends, God has been so generous with us. Let us likewise be generous to God with our very lives as we receive our morning
give you thanks for the gifts that you have given this morning through the faithfulness of those gathered here. We thank you that you use the likes of us to further your purposes on this earth. Use us and these gifts to help people know that you walk alongside us each and every day. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Family of God, we have another offering that we want to present before you today. Every March, once a year, here at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church, we have a special service recognizing our Epiphany Ministry, a special needs ministry here at our church dedicated to the belief that all persons are intimately known and loved by God, and all God's children have the capacity to share this love back to God and with one another in this world. I'm so excited to have all of you get to know our Epiphany members and our friends. Each Sunday, Brian, their coordinator, meets with their volunteers and with our members for fellowship, for worship, for recreation, and for service. Last September, a friend of mine from Austin Street Center reached out to me. Robin let me know that their guests, the men and women who come seeking safety and shelter and refuge at Austin Street, were out of blankets. Every single person who comes through their doors gets their own blanket, and they were in need of more. And so our friends at Epiphany have been diligently working hard throughout this year to make not just any blankets. Friends, you can tell these are blankets that are colorful, and they're warm, and they're full of character, and they've been prayed over with so much love that our Epiphany, our Epiphany members want every single person who gets these blankets to know that God loves them, that God wraps them up with love and abides with them wherever they go. And so we want to invite all of you here to join them in one more blessing of these blankets before they go to our friends at Austin Street Center. And I want to invite our friends from Austin Street Center who are here with us today. We have Robin Craddock, who is the intake coordinator, as well as Karen Milam, who is their grant writer and office manager. And clients, we have Michael, Manuelita, Pam, and Van Sant. We're so glad that they are here, and they will be joining us for lunch today, too. So, friends, I want to invite all of you who are up here to find a blanket to put your hand on or a shoulder of someone next to you to put your hand on. It's okay. You can move around. Come on. Get close. And then all of us who are in your seats, in your pews, I want to invite you just to hold your hands out to invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of this blessing from you to our Epiphany Ministry and to our friends at Austin Street Center, and Brian will lead us in prayer. Let us pray. God of love, you are the giver of all that is good and gracious. As we hold out our hands, remind us to be open to your presence in our lives. We are each invited to receive the gifts you offer us, gifts of joy, community, and hope. With these hands, you have enabled us to do great things for your glory to be kind to one another, and to give of ourselves, even when we feel like we don't have much to give. And as we hold our hands upon these blankets, may you bind us together in your love and grace. May the individuals that receive these gifts be blessed with the confidence that they have been claimed by you. We pray all of these things in the name of your Son, 
Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want to invite everybody to stay seated where you are and please join us in a congregational blessing that has been written especially for our Epiphany ministry. So please join me in singing this special song. Sick place for 
you say that I am? Seems like such a simple, straightforward question. But it seems to me that uh, people throughout the generations at this church have sought to answer that question for themselves. It's the reason that we have an Epiphany Ministry Sunday. It's the reason that we have friends from Austin Street here. It's the reason that we find it important to pass on the faith so that the whole world will know Christ's love. So as you go from this hour of worship to be the church in the world, and to answer this age-old question again for yourself, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short, grace to risk something big for something good, grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth, and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. And may God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, many, many different ways. Amen. Amen. Amen.